Welcome to The Bucket Problem, episode 63. I am your host, Taylor Fulton. Um, <laughs> actually, I am Connor Southard. I am joined by Taylor Fulton. It's just us this time. So we're going to luxuriate uh, in having full control of this podcast. Um, it's going to be entirely about Josh Allen and Taco Bell, which That's... are our shared... That's fully true. Um, our our two shared uh shared uh passions. Uh, the twenty eight dollar Taco Bell order. I'm very worried that you've that you've gotten very close to that. Like may like it seems like you are getting closer and closer and closer based on our conversations. Um, to placing the twenty eight dollar Taco Bell order, and for that I am impressed. I, so congratulations. Look, I don't have to sit here and listen to these wild accusations, but uh, I will say that last night I ordered four separate items from Taco Bell. But in my defense, I was planning to have some for lunch tomorrow today, which worked out. So, But what did so, you get? You had to say what the four items were. I got two quesadillas and two of those like crunchy burrito things. Um, they were they were really good. Crunch wraps? Not crunch. It wasn't a crunch wrap. I look. I I actually. So we actually <laughs> we actually are trying to keep this relatively short. Yes. So as much as I would love to uh, indulge this, that might be a premium podcast at some point. As Taylor and I discussed the Taco <laughs> Bell menu in depth, and That's also true. talking about like Gabriel Davis and stuff. But um, anyway, I just want to say we are here at the Bucket Problem, presented by Homefield Apparel and Points Bet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And we are a meet at midfield production. And today we are discussing Michigan's 41 to 17 beatdown of the Penn State Nittany Lions, who were undefeated and ranked number 10 in the nation coming into the game. And if you watch this game, you know that it was not nearly as close as the final score. Penn State was lucky this wasn't like 55 to 7 or something, as evidenced by the total yardage being 563 yards by Michigan to 268 yards for Penn State. Uh, Really just an ugly situation if you're a Nittany Lions fan, but a delectable one if you're a Michigan fan, delectable in the way that Taco Bell is. Um, I'm going to throw it over to to my dear co-host Taylor for her big mood. Yeah. um, We're really, we're really trying to get that Taco Bell sponsorship. I I really appreciate that hustle. Um, Anyway, so so my big mood, and and I feel vindicated and no longer gaslit, um, and that's really exciting for me because um, I believe someone on Twitter, I can't remember who exactly it was, I should have probably linked that in the show notes, but it's fine, um, had noticed a job posting um, based in India for to become a PFF analyst. So PFF is essentially like outsourcing their... Um, their some of their like data mining or not mining but data like entry stuff um into other countries and i'm sure not paying particularly well we can talk about the ethics of of all of that on a different podcast that is not the bucket problem um but i do feel um i do feel somewhat vindicated knowing that like yeah like i've always had like we have this theory that like the people who are like making these grades aren't necessarily watching the games and um that that's becoming like more and more clear to me like actually that that people who are um hired in these roles probably are not watching the games so um or more to the point i think with the offensive line grades like if they're watching the game they clearly don't know what they're looking at um right i'll get or like yeah 
Yeah. Or like there's like a very like set, again, very set criteria of like what what PFF is like. Here is what this block is and here's how you grade it. Um, So I'm sure there's not a lot of like flexibility in that. So um, again, I'm not going to say people who are being paid like 25 cents like an hour are like need to know ball. But I, I also just like feel a little bit more comforted knowing that like, yeah, I'm not I'm not like losing my marbles relatively speaking um it's not at PFF grades. it's right. not the fault of the people that are toiling to do this oh, it's absolutely the fault not. of pff for claiming to be right. an authority and creating a process that totally severs the link between their grading and the actual result of the game action yes. uh as jim harbaugh would remind us football stats don't really matter that much except for the points on the scoreboard and the points on the scoreboard are not reflected in the fact that Michigan had a lower <laughs> offensive line rating than Penn State according to PFF in this game we'll, we'll go into some it. detail we'll get into that later yeah um thank you Taylor for noting that that's an important piece of news that came out this week uh I my... just feel like better about it that's all I just needed to like say I feel like I can like take a deep breath and like I can breathe easy I I'm I'm super happy for you. I'm also going to pat myself on the back and say that I think when we first saw the really weird Michigan grades this year, I believe I said that they were hiring someone in a data center uh, in the developing world to do these. And it turns out that is probably exactly what happened. So yeah, um, that's an, an, we're getting to the bottom of the story, folks. There's more to come. I'm sure. Um, my big mood is that I've done a version of this take before, but I think it's becoming clearer and clearer what the reality is, which is that we now have enough evidence in the Harbaugh Renaissance era, uh, the era in which he, the, this is a man that has gone 19 and two with a big 10 title and a playoff appearance uh, since many hosts of this podcast called publicly for him to be fired. Uh, I, I don't know if Taylor was part of that. She wasn't part of the podcast back then. So I'll just assume that she was in the right, but um, he's had a pretty <laughs> good run. He's had a good run. Michigan people had a good run. And the sample size against good defenses is enough that I think we can now say that not only is what Harbaugh is doing on offense, namely run first, as we all know, and playing a somewhat old school meatball version of the game. Not only is that working, like the results are very clear. It's also that I think it's clear that he is arbitraging inefficiency in the sport, which is that the best defenses are building to stop spread to pass offenses. They're building to stop the Ohio State offense or Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss offense, that sort of thing. And so, you know, people are are rolling five DBs out there a lot. They're playing lighter, faster linebackers, and they don't have they don't have the personnel necessarily or the scheme focus uh, that is, you know, ideal for contending with a run first game. And I think that Jim Harbaugh deserves some credit, um, whether whether just by happenstance or not, what he has done with this offense and, you know, other coaches have contributed. But what he has done as the head coach with his philosophy, it's really increasingly tough for teams to defend i mean penn state is an archetypal example of a very talented defense with a lot of top recruits and a lot of nfl guys and good stats coming into this game that is built to play against ohio state they are not built to play against michigan and their run defense got just flattened michigan ran for 418 yards in this game uh it was a pretty ignoble you know destruction detonation uh, 7.6 yards per carry. And that stat would be even more impressive if Michigan hadn't slammed into the wall at the goal line, which gets me to my one, <laughs> my one critique of Jim Harbaugh, which is that um, 
you know, the stuff does still get frustrating at the goal line a lot of the time. I, I don't necessarily think that he's always correct about being hyper predictable there. But I will say that what he's doing is working. It works in a very particular way against what college football defenses are doing right now. And I just think, like, I expect Michigan to win several more games this year. But we should really say we're going to the bye week that this program is 19-2 and two since we thought that it was maybe, you know, in reset mode and had to be blown up. And uh, you're not going to see that many 7-0 Michigan starts in your life. So savor this one. Um, yeah, I would just like add to that. First of all, um, I I was uh, hypercritical of Jim Harbaugh um, at the time. You also were. Um, so don't don't feel don't feel like I was like in the right. I We are I all like, creatures of sin. We are all flawed and weak, Taylor. It's fine. Um, and also like again, like now like co-working with other Ohio State folks, like like no one likes their head coach. No one. Maybe like Alabama fans, but like no one likes their head coach. Like that is just like that that's just kind of the mindset of um, like kind of like the upper echelon of college football teams and also Michigan, who has not always been in the upper echelon of college football, but like, but like thinks that. Yes, we have. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> sure. Um, but, but like, this is what teams that have tasted success in any way are like. So, so it's, it happens that that just happens. Um, we're all brats. Like we're all just like, we're just like so cranky all the time but anyway um to your other point i i definitely agree um the 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 short yardage goal line situation thing is something that um that definitely needs to be addressed it needs to be uh talked about and i think we will but um i totally agree with you that um there's really the game plan that harbaugh kind of got going right now and and what and kind of the cohesion right now makes for a good football team um and we'll get to it when I talk about when we talk about the quarterbacks. But like, I, I'm not necessarily sure like how good any anyone is. But I I would say on the whole, the product, the the finished product is good. So I mean, we'll get there. We hey, can uh, Michigan's played a better better uh, schedule than Ohio State. I might be talking to point. some of your coworkers when I say that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I mean. Penn State is probably not a top 10 team, but they are always very talented, even when they underachieve and they've had good defenses. And so the proof is in the pudding. Michigan is clearly one of the best teams in the country. We can argue about where you would rank them among the best, but they're clearly up there. And that's been the case for two years in a row now. So we're doing something right, which is a good segue to talking about the offense in general. Um, We're going to start talking about the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. 17 of 24 for 145 yards, one INT, no touchdowns. He had six rushers for 62 yards. And I think it's important to note before we discuss his passing, a lot of people have noted, especially MGO blog in detail, that the threat of his legs was a big factor in opening up the run game and, and was a huge part of how we gashed Penn State on the ground. And that's, you know, a crucial aspect of evaluating McCarthy. He does bring that aspect to the game. Passing wise, not certainly not the worst game you'll see. Um, you know, I I have some it, it's also not an explosive or impressive game. It's not going on his, you know, future Heisman resume or whatever. Um, I have some opinions, but first, I think Taylor has some thoughts about discussions that are happening on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, so she, she can illuminate that for us. Yeah. What's it like not to be online? Um, So I, I know that there's like uh, I don't I don't necessarily know if it's a total straw man, but it, it's kind of like a lot of people are kind of like J.J. McCarthy isn't good. Who like 
all these people that think J.J. McCarthy is so good, like he's not. So there's that there's kind of like that that straw man ish thing happening. And I'm sure that there are definitely fans who are kind of um, who are um, going to the logical extreme of like J.J. McCarthy is the best Michigan quarterback we have seen in a long time. Therefore, J.J. McCarthy must be good. Well, um, I mean, I, I'm going to I'm going to kind of intervene there okay. a little bit and say, like, you know, sure. prior to this game, he had the resume of at least a top 10 quarterback in the country because he was first in completion percentage, which he still is, by the way, even though he right. dipped a little bit from his average. And he was also in the top 10 in yards per attempt. His yards per attempt were not great in this game. So I'm going to guess that he's probably the top 10 in that now. But like the thing about it is, despite a relatively low volume of throws, like he has been quite good this year. And you know, I think that this game for me, like, it's like, yeah, this is not a guy who is, you know, in the CJ Stroud uh, conversation at that level of, right. of production. But like the idea that, that he's somehow like secretly bad when he's leading the country in completion percentage uh, just seems kind of silly to me. I think what we can say is this was not like what I think my my thing about this is this would have been an opportunity for him to break out and get his name in the national conversation. And instead he had a quiet game where Michigan didn't ask him to do much. And Ace, who's not here, pasted his throw chart into the chat. And the way I interpret it was basically Michigan was dinking and dunking and, and playing a pretty mm-hmm. conservative game. And, you know, JJ had a few more bad throws than usual. One of his worst throws of the year was actually caught by Blake Corum. It was like a really dumb kind of like rookie Josh Allen type, <laughs> like hero ball throw where he's got guys in his grill yeah. and he's going to get tackled and he just throws it up there for grabs and Coram happens to track it down, but it could have easily been a pick six. Um, he did throw a pick six later, which was not actually as bad of a throw. It just doinked off a guy's helmet and another, another guy's helmet and then was caught for a touchdown. And it's like, all right, well, so anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I cut you off Taylor. My point was just like, that this is not catastrophic and it doesn't somehow like prove that he's, bad especially given that michigan wanted to run and that penn state does have a very very good pass defense including the best cornerbacks we'll probably see all year but -hmm. it just isn't like he didn't like have a breakout game that's that's the fair statement sure i I do think that you know part of that is like was a good idea in terms of michigan's game plan because you don't you absolutely especially with like some of the deep ball stuff that that still seems to kind of be a, a bit of a question mark with McCarthy um you don't want him to be throwing deep especially to to Penn State secondary which is pretty good um that said um you know i really do think he's sort of like an eye of the beholder quarterback and i i know i've said this before where it's like if you see the good in what he is doing like again leading the nation in completion percentage like um, can make r- throws in really, really tight windows. Um, that sort of stuff, like especially in the short to intermediate game, like has really, like, like really, like precise throws and and really like make some gutsy calls. Um, you know, you're seeing the good. If you are, um, if you're not quite um, a, a fan of maybe perhaps Michigan's in general, um, you're <laughs> if going. You're, to see- if you're a host of a podcast called Flipping the Field, perhaps is that <laughs> where you're going with that? Uh, uh, I will neither confirm nor... Sorry, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> you know what? Leave it in. I'll allow it. Leave it in. Yeah. Um, I will neither confirm nor deny Um, I'm speaking about my coworkers, but uh, that's fine. Uh, All I'm saying is, like, if you want to see the bad, you are seeing the bad. And you know what? And to be honest, like, the thing is, like, if you are an Ohio State fan that wants to see, like, J- that J.J. McCarthy is bad, you have all of the evidence in front of you, plus 
you have a long pedigree of quarterbacks um, <laughs> in your own program that whether or not they make it to the next level is a different question. But um, like, you know, you you have that in your corner. You can have that. And you can also look at the evidence of like if J.J. McCarthy was an Ohio State quarterback, like he would have transferred. Like that's just the objective truth. So I'm also I also just want us to stop having this discourse right now because what he's a sophomore is he a redshirt freshman or a sophomore? He's a I mean he's a second year player. He's a true yeah, sophomore. Like whatever he's I, a sophomore. I, I think it's funny that we're ha- like this is not actually a real discourse because like he is some level of good and the question of like how good he can be i will agree is like a live one but right you're playing on a very good offense and you're leading the country completion percentage and you're not like turning it over all the time which he's not he's had i think two ints on the year like you're you're good it's just a question of yeah i mean the question for jj mccarthy is like is he merely a quite good college quarterback or is he going to be a heisman finalist and i'm sorry but i think that there's another debate happening where it's like he might secretly be like you know a below average big 10 quarterback then you're not actually watching or grappling with the statistics or doing anything really so that's where i'm at on it um yeah i think we can move on good right for sure i would just like button it up by saying like you know if he's i think it's like the reason I bring up he's a sophomore is because like you know the development has not yet stopped I think is what the point I'm trying to make of like yeah he's he's making some real bonehead decisions sometimes and like the the deep ball does not look super dialed in and there there are still things that need to be fine-tuned if we're having this conversation when he's like a junior or a senior then sure I think it's valid to be like maybe he's not as good as we think he is but for now again second year player I, I'm I will not say though, like, overly also, concerned it's also like it's college football like if you watched you know right. the, the Tennessee Alabama game which featured a lot of you know quarterback play because it was 52 to 49 like <laughs> like those guys Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young who are both like Heisman you know contender type guys they both make boneheaded plays like it's like I don't this is where I think it's just funny like I think Michigan also because Michigan is a is a conservative mm-hmm. offense with a head coach that really dislikes negative quarterback plays and, and dislikes them more than I think the more pass happy coaches in college football. Like we, we discuss every negative play, like it's this huge deal and it's, you know, mostly not like the pick six was really unfortunate, but it was a total yakety sacks type thing. Very low probability. So, you know, I mean, again, I, this is essentially a fake discourse because unless someone is out there saying that JJ McCarthy should be a Heisman candidate, which I don't think he should be this year, no, uh, then there's not really anything to discuss because we know he's at least pretty good. And again, I'll segue to the running backs because his legs were useful for helping them out. Um, they didn't need a ton of help though. Uh, Blake Corum, 28 carries for 166 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, 5.9 yards of carry, which would have been better if you weren't slammed to the wall, the goal to a wall at the goal line a lot. Yeah, I'm better about that. Um, Donovan Edwards, though, 16 carries for 173 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, CJ Stokes, only four carries and 22 yards, almost broke another one and got like ankle tackled. Um, mm. you know, I mean, one thing that I will say is uh, two things actually. Number one, we were going up against two other running backs that have had pretty good years in Katrin Allen and Nick Singleton it was supposed to be kind of a, a duel of running back duos. And our guys are just a lot better than those dudes. And it's not really a conversation worth having. Um, and also it's rare in college football to see a defense 
So Penn State's defense coming in was number six in S&P plus, and they might be a little bit worse than that, especially on the ground, as we saw. But like you just don't really see a very good defense in college football get taken behind the woodshed by not one but two running backs in a game anymore. That's a blast from the past. That's like some Barry Switzer at Oklahoma type stuff where you have two running backs that are shredding people. And it's great to see that kind of variety in college football, especially when it's my team. Yes, uh, it rocks. Uh, it's great. And um, I'm excited because Edwards, uh, Donovan Edwards did have an improved outing. Um, obviously, Indiana was a was a weird game, a bit of an anomaly, but it was really nice to see that he was more um, where we're used to him being and where um, in the future Michigan kind of needs him to be, especially um, as uh, Coram's time here, I'm sure, is is ending. Um, I I do think that Edwards kind of having that nice little bounce back is really promising and makes me feel good. Um, also, uh, of note, Mike Hart was back for this game, which is really, really great. Um, I believe he went to a um, scout or just attend a high school game he was he was at like in the nearby area um the day before and then was back on the sidelines for this game so i'm really glad to hear that he was back and um all good um from from my understanding of things uh for this game so again having your run game coordinator um tends to help very very good stuff so overall really pleased can't really ask for for much better because it was just such a such a dominant performance by both running backs that you can't really even i don't have much to even like there's not even a ton to nitpick if you wanted to like there isn't no there's nothing to nitpick i mean this exactly. is kind of like it's it's like, performances you're going to see from two running backs in the same game against a good defense like it just doesn't really get better than this i mean if you absolutely. watch the game you know that they both broke off long touchdowns um where they did a lot of the work and they both, you know, juked some tacklers to get all the way down the field, but also the holes that were opened were large enough that I think Taylor Fulton could probably have gotten a few yards. Um, I think so. Times. Yeah. I'm scrappy. Yeah. No, you get in a low center of gravity. I mean, we can't count. I think you I would do great. Yeah. yeah I, I think would you would do extremely well. So, I mean, <laughs> the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for this. And that's what, you know, Coram was saying after the game, but you know, Michigan just has two excellent running backs. Corum is in the conversation for the for arguably the best running back in the country. You've been over that before. The stats are, you know, still very much there for him to be in that conversation. And the eye test is more than there. Donovan Edwards is not in that conversation, but, you know, I think he's got a ton of potential and he's doing it. I mean, he is... This was this was a big big game for him against you know a, a very good defense. This was I, I was saying the previous week that it would be big for him to have a breakout game, and you know he did. And I it, it only gets more exciting with both of those guys being at that level because especially if you can put them both out there at the same time, if you can decoy them, if you can line one up out wide, like it gives you so many options that most teams just don't have. So. I, you know, not a time to say other than, yeah, it's good Mike Hart was back and it's good that Michigan's running backs just absolutely annihilated Penn State and made it clear that we have one of the best running back rooms in the country, if not the best. So, yeah, good times. Um, that's a segue to a group of guys that were less relevant on the day, uh, given the game plan, but the wide receivers and the tight ends. Uh, Roman Wilson was back. He looks good. Doesn't seem to be any damage there. Uh, I will shout out Ronnie Bell, who was again the leading receiver in this game. You know, he's he's the clear number one receiver at this point. Had a big game. Um, Schoonmaker was predicted to have a big game, but mostly was a decoy. I think Michigan understood that Penn State would gravitate towards him, and 
he was mostly used to free up other receivers, which is fine, by the way. That is a good way to use a good player. Um, my one gripe about the receiving in this game, and it's not on the receivers, it's on the, pl- it's the play calling, was Penn State from the opening kick had Michigan screen game sniffed out. It was very obvious they did. They were just on top of it immediately. And we kept trying to run it. And that's one of those hardball things that annoys me. I think sometimes he just gets very stubborn about things. And if they have your screen game sniffed out, just run a different play. I I do always appreciate the Jim. Maybe I don't appreciate it, but like you have to respect like the Jim Harbaugh mentality of like we gotta try, we just gotta try it. It does not always work out in game situations, so I don't want to say it's a good thing. But like you can you can definitely tell that's like a a hallmark Jim Harbaugh thing. Like you gotta you gotta just see like see if it's gonna work. Um, yeah, I was kind of actually banking on uh Schoonmaker being more important in the passing game he was not um i have never been wrong in my life but um i guess i'll take my first l um well, but he, I, to, to, to your credit like he was important in the passing game he was a decoy that's <laughs> that, true. that is true. fine i mean yeah, yeah that's that's part of the game um yeah not a time yeah. to say here just because like it was not this was not a game for receivers and again back to jj mccarthy's passing chart like we didn't learn much about the quarterback in this game and thus, we did not learn much about the receivers. It just wasn't that important. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to move on to line unless Taylor has more to say about this. <laughs> no, there was there's truly nothing to say. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, you know, I, I doubt there's a better run blocking line in the country. There might be a couple that are maybe better at pass blocking, but like in run blocking you know penn state's a good team they have a good front pj mustafer is a real dude chop robinson is a real dude he's the one that had the pick six um they've got guys they've got named guys who are gonna play in the nfl all over their defense and michigan just moved them out of the way over and over and over again you know with authority it was very reminiscent of the ohio state game from last year but like even more so um i the PFS stuff remains hilarious. We discussed that a bit already. My theory about what might be happening at a practical level is that whoever is watching this stuff for PFF doesn't understand pulling blockers and thinks that if you don't block the guy immediately in front of you, then he wasn't blocked. Um, I That sounds incredibly silly, but I think that might be part of it because Michigan moves blockers around a lot and does a lot of really elaborate stuff. And so I that's as close as I can get to like a working theory of what they're coming up with. But regardless you don't need to grade this stuff like we all know we've all watched enough football to know what good offensive line play looks like especially in the run game it looks like moving guys and guys are being moved yes i totally agree uh i think that we're in a good spot just because again michigan is in contention again for the joe moore award the halfway like honor roll um recently came out i believe came out yesterday um michigan is on there uh ohio state's on there illinois is on there um a few teams that that i kind of suspect are, are a touch fraudulent on there uh penn state is on like their watch list like their Ooh. honor roll <laughs> notre dame is on there yeah. um which ooh, sure sure i guess um and you know they're they're definite Alabama also a surprise. I mean I get it it's Alabama it's whatever and I know it's like halfway through the season but still, um the the Big Ten consistently has a really good offensive line play and I think Michigan is is if not like a leading contender like is up there is at least 
in my opinion, going to make it like to the next round of like getting to like finalists or I don't know how it works, but yeah, I mean, I, we, we better, they've be got to be up like, there. Yeah. yeah they have I to mean, be up there. I, I have yet to see a team in a game run block as well as Michigan. And I've watched a lot of games this year, actually. Right. And and I do think part of what they're looking for, because like, again, teams like Penn state and teams like Minnesota are on this like halfway through the season watch list. Um, I would assume that they're also looking at the running back production um, and Penn state and Minnesota, I think, are getting a lot more benefit from their running backs just being their running backs. Obviously, Blake Quorum is that dude. He's him. Um, but he's also getting really good line play. Um, so I, I think like Michigan is in a really good position then to maybe to repeat at least being a finalist for this award. Uh, and being I mean, really good. Yeah. If people thought Penn State was deserving of this, it's just that they ain't played nobody thing. I think like I because <laughs> to, to be clear, like I, I don't think I mean, uh, not to be too much of a hater, but like, you know, Nick Singleton compared to Blake Corum, that's a completely different tier of players. So, uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. A- anyway. Um, yeah. The we'll line talk is about good, their folks. offensive line. The we line will is talk. Good, folks. Yeah, we will. Uh, so overall, I mean, this would have been uh you know, an unbelievable um, performance. I mean, it is an unbelievable performance. It would have been even even more like disgusting if, if Michigan had finished some of their first half drives. So the real like one actual critique is just, yeah, uh, finish those drives, um, finish in the red zone. We kicked way too many field goals in this in this game, especially in the first half. And somehow the score at halftime looked like it was in, uh, you know, uh, it was somehow close. So um, that's that's all I got. Yeah, I would say that the finishing the finishing drives thing, especially finishing drives with touchdowns is is going to haunt me because I got freezing cold taked on it because I thought that this was going to resolve itself. I thought this was going to get better as the offense started to gel and get a little bit more cohesive. Uh, it has not yet. Uh, red zone, red zone stuff has left a bit to be desired, and I think that is a worthwhile critique of Michigan, um, and one to investigate. Um, someone actually asked me, "Oh, uh, shameless plug! I am doing a mailbag. Uh, to so if you send me questions before Sunday, I will answer them." And one of the questions I got was about um this whole finishing drives thing because it was a problem against Michigan State. Um the team that we will see next um, and we will discuss ad nauseum later. And the um, one thing, the one thing yeah. that Michigan state does well this year is coal it's line right. stands. <laughs> so like, you just know it's coming. There's oh, going to be infuriating right. for like, we're going to have first and goal at the like half yard line. And we're going to get stoned by Michigan state. I just know it's coming. <sighs> um, yeah. And I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're that's really all I had because it's like, that is something that is, this is a game where that could become an actual problem um, like it was last year. So. Yeah. And I, and I think like the, the main, the only like concrete, like specific critique I have is I just think Michigan is too predictable. They know we line up and it's clear running between the tackles and teams just crash down in the box and try to stop that. And that's, you know, maybe, maybe run some trickery. That's what I would do. So, um, all right. Time for an ad read. Uh, we are sponsored by Homefield Apparel. You can use the promo code meet at midfield for 15% off your first order from Homefield Apparel. That's homefieldapparel.com. I have not received any intel in Ace's absence about what Homefield is releasing this week, but like 
you know, folks, you owe it to yourself to buy some home field stuff because it is all soft. It's all high quality. They have so many cool graphics, retro designs. Like, honestly, if you love college football, you owe it to yourself to get into that home field apparel collection. Uh, do, do a deep dive. Treat yourself. Uh, that's homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code meet at midfield. Also, download the points bet app and use the promo code bucket prob to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 matched in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, though, you must use the code BUCKETPROB. That's bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so time to discuss how our defense played. And uh, spoiler alert... The defense played about as well as the offense when you get right down to it. They only allowed 10 points. Um, Penn State did not have a good time on this side of the ball either. And if you take away, you know, Sean Clifford's, I'll, I'll, we'll start at defensive line, um, which it's relevant to say that the big Penn State player of the first half was that Sean Clifford did a really nice keeper on an RPO and a, a number of things converged to sort of like, there was a gap that opened and a couple of guys got blocked at a fortuitous moment and he ran almost all the way to the end zone. And that was sort of a tip of the cap situation. Um, the only play of note for them the entire first half. And then he threw, I'll, I'll get to that later actually. But um, yeah, so that wasn't really the, the defensive line's fault. Uh, if it was anyone's fault, it would have been probably the linebackers, but you know, the defensive line in this game only had two sacks, but Clifford was getting hit a lot, which I think Sean Clifford's probably pretty used to getting hit at this point. I think he would be a little bit weirded out if he weren't getting hit. So, you know, whatever. But they were doing their job. Um, it's funny because, again, Michigan fans are so spoiled that if we see pressure not immediately arriving, like immediately from a four-man rush, we sometimes get antsy. But if you go, like, I was reading the Penn State post-game analysis, and they were like, yep, another terrible offensive line performance. Michigan dominated us in the trenches. Pressure constantly. So... Yeah, if you take away the Clifford keeper, the running results for Penn State were 19 for 19 carries for 58 yards. That's 3.1 yards per carry. That is not efficient or good. Um, my take is the interior defensive line crunched these guys in particular. There just were not gaps opening, and there was a lot of push, a lot of pressure, and a lot of times where the interior was involved immediately in running or passing plays. Um Mozzie tracked down a ball carrier from behind in space in the fourth quarter, which is especially impressive for a large guy who might get winded. Um, our edge rush is, you know, it's not, we don't have a single elite transcendent guy, but the platoon approach is working pretty well and it's just tough to complain. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I have really nothing to complain about uh, Penn State's offensive line. So like we were talking about it. Like, why why are people saying Penn State's offensive line is good? I think it's relative. I think they're like, yeah, it's kind of like people things are getting blocked now. Like things are okay now. Um, so it's like a good Penn State offensive line. Um uh, and they're not a good offensive line. Um uh, you know, shout out to Sean Clifford. Uh we will miss you for the like 10 years you've been the the quarterback of Penn State. Um I, I will say that Drew Aller did get a few snaps. Was Clifford like injured? I can't remember. Um, I don't think he was I, I think, I think he was hurt. 
I think he um, was in the medical tent, but it was also had very much the vibe of like, ah. <laughs> like, let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it was just and, very much like this game. I think I think that was pretty much throwing in the towel. Like he may have been hurt, but also like again, I don't want to mock the guy too much, but like Sean Clifford's always hurt because his offensive line is terrible and James Franklin lets his quarterbacks get hammered all the time. And I, I also want to say shout out to Sean Clifford, man, because like I said it last year, but like he is a valiant dude. Are you revive- about to say he has the heart of a lion? He has the heart of a Nittany lion. He's got that lion in him. Um, he's not that good, but he is a tough, he is a tough SOB. And we saw it again in this game and it, you know, did not yield a win. But like, that is, that is a brave man. I feel like he belongs in like a fantasy novel as the knight who's always going out there and getting his ass kicked, but just keeps, <laughs> keeps going out there honorably. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll miss you, Sean. Uh, Godspeed. We, we sure will. Oh boy. Uh but yeah, Aller did also kind of get the the pet state initiation of getting his ribs caved in a little bit. Um and I was I will say like I think there was like some a little bit of like online whisper of like you know, if if Aller comes in like maybe it's like maybe it's going to be like different, maybe it's going to be a little bit more interesting. It wasn't. Um I'm pretty sure he had a pretty brutal game himself. Um so even though that was I don't necessarily know if it was like garbage time, garbage time, but it was in the second half. It wasn't like great, but like he he's I, I'm I think another Penn State quarterback is in for another Penn State quarterback experience. We'll uh, he's got way. he's got a ways to go. I mean, I was watching. Like, yeah, he, I, I will say, by the way, if, if the narrative is like J.J. McCarthy is like, you know, secretly erratic and bad. It's funny to think that someone would be erratic when they're leaving the country completion percentage. But uh like that's what that's what it actually looks like in college football when somebody's like talented but not ready is it looks like Drew Allard in this game and like no shade on the kid he might well become very good but like yeah he looked out of his depth made a lot of wobbly throws was getting hit that's what you know shaky young quarterback play looks like and uh hard to judge anything from it but you oh, know, totally, the, the, totally. the key takeaway for our analysis is just like Michigan dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides in this game and the dominance yes. on the defensive side was not that much less than the one on the offensive side and that's where beatdowns happen they happen in the running backs um got tempoed a bit I mean Michigan I, I think at this point I'm willing to say that Michigan yes they have issues getting lined up sometimes but also it just feels that they're willing to kind of live on that edge it feels like they're willing to, you know, take a few L's in the sort of like running a complex defense and being able to do what they want to do is like more of a priority overall than being perfect lined up every time. Like Iowa is perfect lined up every time because they run the same thing every play. So I, I think Michigan is okay with a little bit of chaos. That being said, you know, the the less the better. And there was just some some classic tempo pre-snap alignment stuff. Um but I think it must be said, I mean, this was a quiet day for PSU's tight ends who were decent and their running backs in the passing game. Before the game, we highlighted that that could be an issue. But that group combined for seven targets, two catches, 10 yards in the passing game. And uh, so safe to say that the running that the linebackers were not successfully picked on in the passing game, which is huge. And if we can see more of that, like if we can just be fine and not have linebacking be a glaring weakness, I'll take it. Um, I expected a lot worse, and so I'm not going to c- complain much. I also think Minter deserves some credit for showing a lot of exotic, weird, confusing stuff and continuing to keep teams off balance. So that again, in this game, they ran a really weird thing where they had like 
three guys on one side of the line of scrimmage and a stand-up rush on the other side and a huge gap in the middle. And, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Is that R.J. Moten coming at me? Like, anyway, it it, it, it worked pretty well. Don't you think, Taylor? Yeah, that one that that one was very odd. I know which play you're talking about because I I too was like, what the hell's going on? Um, but it worked. And again, if if part of the solution for the linebacker like weakness is to try to hide it as much as possible, Michigan is is certainly able to. Um, it's like a little sandwich of like <laughs> good front, good secondary. We can kind of like figure out what's going on in the middle. So that that feels good or it's um, like a, it's like a crunch wrap supreme for instance <laughs> it is like a crunch wrap supreme except for like the stuff inside the crunch wrap supreme is also good but anyway sorry <laughs> i really did think that this was going to be hell on earth and i thought that this was going to be a very instructive game for what to expect um down the line um i i do think that that sean clifford run was a little bit on michael barrett sorry no i think that if it was um, on anyone it's on the linebackers and i yeah, think it, it, was, it really it, was it was, on that was, like, it was also just like a perfect storm of like this gap opened up that that Clifford timed perfectly and like it, you know yeah it, and it he's good at that stuff yeah he is good at that stuff um but anyway um yeah I really thought I was gonna like have a lot more negative to say and the fact that I have very little to say is probably good so if I have nothing bad to say I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say besides Nakai Hill Green's still not back. I don't know if he's ever coming back, to be honest. This yeah, season. Um, what's, what's up with that? I don't know. If he's going to be back, I assume it will be for the, the game after the bye week, namely Michigan State. So we'll see. Uh, Jimmy Roller continues to get meaningful snaps. Um, I think he'll eventually be a good player. He's still, at this point, a skinny freshman, and, and it's tough to be a freshman linebacker. You know, Colson was pretty good in this game. Um, Barrett had the, you know, one or two mistakes. He also had a monster sack of Allard where he just like <laughs> leaped right. over and Nick Singleton basically. Um I, so yeah, I mean to Taylor's point, like not not without sin here in the linebacking core, but like got the job done and it was part of a dominant defensive performance. So yeah, I think we could transition to the secondary. I mean, I would say lockdown performance from them. The only event that really happened was um Sean Clifford threw an absolute dime to uh which receiver was that can you remind me taylor um while i will i continue to talk but anyway uh, wallace um yeah regardless like the guy was covered very well by dj turner like dj turner was right on his hip and almost had a play on the ball and it was just a perfect back shoulder bomb like it just could not have been more perfectly thrown and um you know, that'll happen again. Penn State's two big plays in this game were both like tip of the cap plays in my mind. Um, beyond that, pretty much nothing. I mean, subtract that and they threw for 3.9 yards per attempt, which is not good. Uh, there was a very gratifying moment for friends of our short king, Mike Sanderstall, when on fourth and six, they tried to target him and it didn't go well. And Joel Klatt said, can't believe they tried to target Mike Sanderstall because he's really good. Yeah, that <laughs> and, rocks. Uh, he is really good. Um, I, we have three really good cover guys. Him and both of the of the outside corners are both great. Are all great. Um, Jermon Green was out briefly, which gave Will Johnson some run, and he looked pretty good. I mean, he annihilated Sean Clifford on a keeper third and nineteen. Sean Clifford that made rocked. the ways, and that Will Johnson so just <laughs> destroyed him into the sideline. And as as Anglo Blog was noting, like a GA, a grad assistant whose name we don't even know, like then grabbed Johnson to keep him from getting a 15-yard taunting penalty, which he was definitely going to get. 
um which understandably so uh given how cool that play was but i mean johnson looked good jamon graham came back so that wasn't too concerning um i don't it's hard to have issues here because i think this looks like pretty clearly the best secondary in the big 10 right now yeah i would say so i also because like again think of the kind of receiving core that Penn State has even when like when Clifford can like do what he can do like like what he did who it was it was Wallace by the way um you know kind of really getting rid of, like eliminating the threat from Tinsley and uh Parker Washington really really good and I know that's like you know a credit to the entire defense but um I think in in particular like you're not gonna get a deep ball um and Sean Clifford had difficulty with deep ball connections to his wide receivers anyway um there was some like slight criticism i guess of of green because like he is kind of um a bit more at risk of not turning his head around and being being a bit vulnerable to um pass interference but i don't think that that was a problem in this game like i think there was maybe one time where that kind of came up but he's been he's been solid and i think in my mind, um, while Turner has been more explosive and kind of been more on like the the flashier plays, um, Green has probably is probably like it's like a one A one B um, for 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 the outside in particular. So that's really promising to me, um, considering the wide receiver groups we will see forthcoming. Are there some good ones on the schedule? I haven't looked yet. Um, <laughs> no, I'm but, not uh, really sure. I maybe at the end of November. I'm not super sure. I think. I think maybe. I'll have I, to look I've never heard of further, them. But, never uh, heard of them. I mean, it's worth noting. Like DJ Turner had another dropped, dropped another pick, which, like, on the one hand, the drop did not look good, but on the other hand, it was kind of broken up by the tight end. Like, whatever. I mean, it's just we're gonna have to nitpick here because, like, th- this comes down to a matter of like, oh, these guys may have had like one or two plays that weren't perfect, but the overall impression was very strong and and um Jesse Minter continues to blitz his safeties and they were getting pressure they were getting home uh there were a couple times that a safety was up in the grill of uh Clifford so i again i don't know what you can really say other than these guys are good so i guess we'll move on to special teams um the I guess two things are notable about this game. One, Michigan had to kick four field goals, all of which were made because Jake Moody rocks. And Michigan did not punt in this game. Say it again. Michigan played the 10th ranked Penn State Nittany Lions and did not punt the ball. Yeah, that rocks. Uh, Everything is great. Uh, Teams that I root for do not punt, um, which rocks. Uh, This is not Iowa. Not punting is winning, folks. We do not root for the punter, even though we love you. We love you, Brad Robinson. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i i missed our like mr monopoly guy going out there in his monocle in his top hat punting but uh we did not need him and that rocks because well, yeah it was great it was pointed out that he had some great holds in this game for the, for the field goals uh oh, also, great we, holder we have to we didn't put the show notes but it must be mentioned that there was a kickoff return in this game where nick singleton bobbled it and like kicked it and was in serious danger, but then the coverage was going to overshoot him, and so he actually had a chance at a, at a big return. So, and then he was chopped down by Jake Moody with great decisiveness. Jake Moody got upfield and tackled this guy, and then flexed, and the stadium was going Moody because <laughs> like, it was cool. Because <laughs> it, it was so great. cool. Like, no, I mean that's Jake Moody is like 
he is an space alien man like he is a kicker who does not seem to experience like human emotions and who just like fearlessly goes out there and tackles Nick Singleton, who's a large dude. He's like a 220 pound running back. And Moody just like blasts him in the open field and flexes. And I'm like, where is this guy from? He's going to be in the NFL for like 20 years. <laughs> he rocks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, defensively and special teams wise, this was a pass, a test pass with flying colors. Like Penn State's offense is not that great, but they are very talented. So beating the snot out of them means something. Uh, it gets boring to say that this Michigan football team is good, but we're good. I guess figure out tempo, which is a constant thing for us. Uh, Taylor might have some takes. Um, yeah, I, I just have a take. Uh, well, first of all, this was kind of like an ass kicking. It was an ass kicking, like just overall. Um, anyway, uh, my, my overall take is that, um, James Franklin also did complain about, um, Michigan having one tunnel because there was a halftime skirmish of sorts um, where Penn State and Michigan players got in each other's faces. Allegedly, some Uncrustables or (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were thrown (laughs) by Penn State players at Michigan players. Um, Allegedly, we don't have we can't prove it, but (laughs) but actually the veracity of that is is un is actually like unsure like some but someone was like someone i know who is an equipment manager said that this happened or like found a sandwich in well the, the, the nutritionist abigail o'connor found them right. the day after in the tunnel and she was like these must have come from the penn state players but we don't know they could have come from know. james franklin they could have come from jim harbaugh <laughs> like we don't you know we don't know what happened in that scrum but right. it was very funny and like fox college football pointed this out like the last two seasons, Michigan has had two like tussles in the tunnel because the big house only has one tunnel, famously, mm-hmm. um, which is what Franklin is complaining about. And they've had two tussles at halftime getting back into the, the locker rooms. And those games were the Penn State game and the Ohio State game last year. And in both of those games, the score looked respectable at half. And the second half was just an unholy beatdown. And so my thing is like, let's do this every game. Let's get into a tussle in the locker room and the the tunnel every single game, because it seems like we just flatten teams in the second half when that happens. So like, whatever, complain about all you want frames, Janklin, but we are, we are doing the tunnel tussle every time. It's only dirty when you lose. It's only dirty when you are not winning. And that is the most important thing to note. Like Alabama fans are doing this right now because of the loss to Tennessee. Like, Everyone does this. Like, all of a sudden, James Franklin wants a policy, and he wants like blah 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 blah, and 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 he's doing a little bit of pearl clutching. Um, if it if it had galvanized Penn State, I would not hear a peep. There would not be a word. He should use the time that he's spending to submit like official notarized letters to the Big Ten to teach his team how to throw a block or tackle yeah. somebody. He should be doing. Honestly. You know that. Also, like I love that the response to this on MGO board from someone was like. What James Franklin wants is he wants there to be like a minute between the teams going in so that they're they're staggered. And the obvious response is like, sure, we can do that as long as the home team goes first and thus has more time in the locker room. I will accept that outcome too. Sure. But really what I want to do is tussle with Michigan State in the tunnel and yeah. hopefully flatten them the second half uh, in two weeks. That's what I want to do. So it's called it's called home field advantage. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what that's what this is. It's and- called home cooking. Like when we're at home, we get some good hum cooking and you get a PB and J and that's just how it is. That's so true. And I, and I would just like truly point out like Michigan has a reputation of kind of being like a little bit nerdy and a little bit embarrassing. And, and I fully agree with it. 
Um, this is the one cool thing Michigan has. Uh, so I'm gonna allow it. I if, mean, if you've if you've ever seen Jim Harbaugh and his mannerisms, there <laughs> may be no person that better combines like dork and bully than Jim Harbaugh. Like he's yeah. the dorkiest bully who has ever lived. So that's uh, this team, and that's this is actually an interesting point, right? Like this team embodies the spirit of Michigan, everything we love about Michigan, the institution, and Michigan football as well as any team in recent memory. So uh, savor it and continue to tussle in the tunnel. Yeah, Particularly when, cool. uh, when Paul Bunyan is at stake. Let's do it. Um, moving on to the rest of the conference, our Big Ten teams of the week. Um, I am going to let Taylor lead off here. I insisted that she talk about, uh, you know, the Michigan State Spartans who we will be facing next not next week uh in two weeks but uh taylor what do you what do you got for us about our esteemed foe yeah that's right um so yeah michigan state hasn't won a game in regulation since week two of this year um and that was in their non-conference schedule so that seems unfortunate for them um in the game most recently that they played against like basically the shell of a wisconsin team um there were there were some things to watch. Like Thorne and Reed had a nice connection again. Um, they they kind of seemed a little bit more in sync. Wisconsin really had a rough time in the secondary. There were a lot of like pass interference calls. There were a lot of like really silly things that I think Michigan can lock down a little bit better. But um, that that's you know for in the future. But watching, I, I think Michigan might be a little bit better than I than Wisconsin. Just that's why I allegedly. That's what they're saying. Um, so the way that this game ended was very was was wild. So again, Michigan State won this game. They did not win it in regulation. Um, they had a drive together to win in regulation on a field goal. Um, but their kicker Behringer, uh, something happened with the snap. He had to pick it up, throw it away, and threw an interception to end regulation. Um yeah, snap got muffed. It looked really ugly. Um, he picks it up, throws it away directly to a Wisconsin player. Um, anyway, uh, Reed Reed threw a touchdown uh, in overtime, which was uh, pretty fun. Um, so I guess like they have like one cute little trick play that they've got going on there. And um, it's really not to me like the game that Michigan State had does not tell me that Michigan State is anything that I am particularly concerned about, but that more that um, Wisconsin is just in hell. Um, and I'm really sorry to to all who care about Wisconsin football because, yikes, they're not having a fun time. Um, but yeah, I guess my team of the week is Michigan State, mostly because like the team that I watched, I saw it. Um, they're They're there's nothing to write home about there. Like maybe Thorne and Reed's connection is, is a little bit better than it has been. Um, he had a really nice connection with Coleman as well for two touchdowns, but there's really just, again, it's more of the story of Wisconsin than it is of Michigan state. Yeah. They're not a good football team. Um, I understand that if something bad happens in a week and a half, that I'm going to be eating those words and feeling bad and probably. It's entirely uh, Taylor's fault. It's not the players. It is my fault. Coaches. It's entirely you. I will delete my Twitter account. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like they're just, they're just, there is nothing there that remotely worries me. Like Jacoby Winman had a great game, but again, Wisconsin's offense is not 
particularly exciting either. So it's like the quality of the opponent that they just played made Michigan State look far better than they than they actually yeah, are. Wisconsin so is like concerned. Wisconsin's like legit bad. Like I don't they're not they may not be with Northwestern bad, but they're like Indiana bad. You know, like they're just not or uh, they're not a real threat to anyone and that's good at this point. And my big takeaways from what I've seen from Michigan State, both watching them and, and just following stats and stuff this year is like they have two things going for them. They still they can still put together their, their defensive line in particular still deserves some respect. Like it, it it holds up. You're not just gonna shove it aside quite as easily as you would, you know, Rutgers or whatever. Um, hence the goal line stands. And then if you give Peyton Thorne time to throw, he is good enough to hit his pretty good receivers, you know, good receiver room. And Thorne is like a solid college quarterback. He's not he's not a joker. He's also not some supreme talent, but like given a chance. He'll make them some throws. Um, so like, yeah, the, the key is, you know, try to take that away, get some actual pressure, which is not that hard because their pass blocking is horrendous. Probably don't run directly at their defensive tackles, which I know Jim Harbaugh will do. Uh, um, like Michigan is definitely going to try to run the ball at the middle on these guys, which, oh, is totally. not, which is not what I would do. Like I would de-emphasize that, but you know, that's, that's the end of the Again, game. He's got to try. He's got to try. He's, he's got to be like, maybe today. To make like a moral, like a moral point, and and, you know, I mean, to be fair, like I think the advantage still goes to Michigan's offensive line versus Michigan State's defensive line, just because, like, you know, Michigan's offensive line is very good. But like, yeah, I mean, Michigan State did win a game against an opponent that, in other years, has been good. Um, Yes, they're still very, very bad. These teams are both very bad. Um, Michigan should win comfortably, and and I think. There's going to be moments in that game, I think we all expect it, where it's going to feel bad. I think the first half will probably feel, even if we do end up blowing them out, I expect the first half to feel kind the of first bad. Half is, the first half or, like, the second half, they're going to put a drive, like, kind of like what happened against Iowa, where, like, they put one non-garbage, like, in the middle eight, they're going to put one drive together that's going to make us collectively, like, start screaming. And so, like... As long as we're prepared for that, like emotionally and spiritually, I think we're going to have a fine time. Like that—that yeah. that is just what to expect. I mean, my hope, like when I saw the when JJ threw a ball in this Penn State game that doinked off one guy's helmet, doinked off another guy's helmet, and then fell into the hands of Chop Robinson for a pick six. My immediate thought was, I hope we're getting some of the like deeply weird yakety sacks energy out against Penn State, so there's less of it against so. Michigan State because that was a classic like Michigan State moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that, but there will be those moments when we play them. Like there's gonna be a moment where Peyton Thorne uncorks the prettiest ball you've ever seen in college football, and Keon Coleman catches it for a 60 yard pass. There's gonna be a moment where they stop us at the goal line. There's gonna be an absolutely infuriating turnover at some point. There's gonna be a muffed punt. Like I expect fully expect all of those things to happen at some point. And the reality is they can all happen and we still should beat them because they're not good. I agree. Because like they're Kenneth Walker's gone. <laughs> like Kenneth Walker's gone. Which is like part of like truly, it is like Mel Tucker did not hit in the transfer portal this time. Like I I think Michigan State's running backs are like serviceable the, and doing their best okay. running back is the guy who's been there since like the Obama administration, that Elijah, Elijah Collins. Like <laughs> when I saw so he true. was their top back this year, I was like, that's the name I've not heard in a long, long time. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's not it's not going great over there in East Lansing. Um, but all that to say this is a pretty big rivalry game. Um, Michigan State can muster it up can muster up courage against no matter how bad they are they can find a way to do 
it at least once. And uh, just everyone who listens, just be aware People are going to point out that J.J. McCarthy was it. Was this the was Michigan State last year when J.J. McCarthy had the interception? No, that well, we have a pick. Whatever I remember, whatever I remembers was that he fumbled the exchange with Corum. That's right. At a yeah. huge moment. Yeah. 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 So that's that's going to be pointed out. Um, prepare for it. Do not take the bait. Just just keep just keep going. Stay the course. If you happen to be in a a meet at midfield, um, you know, employees group chat, don't take the bait that will be (laughs) be put out there by parties who will remain unnamed. Or Uh, if you're Dan. Or if you're Dan. Dan. (laughs) But Dan always takes the bait. That's why we love him. That Um, is true. I I think I think we said enough about Michigan State as much as I would love to keep dissing them. um, I'm going to talk briefly about uh, Burt Bielema. Now there is a haircut you can set your watch to. Speaking um, of Wisconsin. Yeah, speaking of Wisconsin, we have a new Wisconsin in the Big Ten West, out with the old Wisconsin, in with the new, and it's called Illinois, uh, who is now 6-1 and one and is now in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West. I think it's them and Purdue at this point, which is just, yes. I, I, it's and very per- funny. Yeah, Purdue, I think, doesn't have the better overall record, right? Like no, they, they don't. Purdue has so, two losses, yeah. If, if Illinois beats Purdue, it's going to be pretty clear sailing the problem of course the other problem for illinois is that to play michigan at ann arbor which is a game i'm not taking for granted that's probably the best team we're going to play before not that probably that is definitely the best team we're playing before ohio state absolutely um, because the thing about illinois is so they beat minnesota 26 to 14 this was kind of like uh michigan's game in that they kicked a bunch of field goals and had a bunch of fruitless red zone moments um should have been a bigger a bigger score uh they actually had you know eerily similar problems to uh, to Michigan and, and Chase Brown is one of the best running backs in the country um, and has weirdly few touchdowns, which might speak partly to the red zone issues, but he carried the ball this game 41 times for 180 yards, which is 4.4 yards per carry, which is not terrible, but also not amazing. Um, they're using him a lot. You know, that's he's carried the ball more than I think anyone in the country. He's very, very good. I think that he and Coram are the two guys in the big 10 that I think, among running backs, you know, could be in that sort of top five in their position nationally kind of conversation. Um, but he is, you know, they're using him a lot. Like they should probably use him a little bit less, you know, prior to the Michigan game. So he's ready to go. Uh, though, hold on. We've said that about Blake Corum like regularly, though. So we can't necessarily say that that's a critique. I, it's not a, I mean, it's not a critique of him. It's a critique of, of you know, using running backs a lot. I, sure, I sure, sure. like, it's not a critique of him. Like, but 41 carries is a lot more than 28. Like that's the a quorum day is like 28 carries. 41 carries is a different level. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. But, that's fair. Um, Ta- Tommy DeVito, or as I call him, Danny DeVito, get it, was 25 of 32 for 252 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt, one TD, zero INT. Um, you know, not mind blowing, but like decent. Uh, he's seemingly okay. Their offensive line is good. They're on the Joe Moore watch list with Michigan. Um, you know, so and this defense, I think, is I forget the number for S P plus, but they're well regarded. They have a very good star young defensive coordinator. Uh Brian was talking about that on MGO Pod. That's an interesting story. But um that might probably explain why Tanner Morgan was four of twelve for twenty-one yards. Not a typo, not great. Uh the other QB for Minnesota was two of six for seventeen yards, also not great. Um I think this is a combination of Minnesota's offense just kind of collapsing besides Mo Ibrahim, who is still good. But also the Illinois pass defense is good. Like they've got some guys. They've got some good defensive backs. Seems like a good defense overall, honestly. Um, 
you know, Mo Ibrahim ran for 127 yards on 15 carries, which is 8.5 yards per carry, which is very good. So he needs to escape Minnesota and get to the NFL as soon as he possibly can. Right. Get out of there. <laughs> get friend. out of there. Like, <laughs> like you are, you're so good. You're so good at what you do, despite like whatever else is happening at Minnesota. Run, run, run in the way that you are running for Minnesota away from Minnesota. Like, this is get a, out of there. It's a run forest run situation for Mo Ibrahim. Anyway, my, my takeaway here is like Bert Bielema is very memeable, which is always a plus in college football. Um, but he's doing a damn good job. They're they seem to have a really well coached defense. They're they have one of the best running backs in the country. And so much as Michigan should be able to beat them, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, the week prior to Ohio State, that can't overlook that game. That's gonna be an actual game, it looks like. So yeah. um I'm gonna be at that game, by the way. So I'll try my best not to jinx us. <laughs> um yeah, so that's that's the state of the Big Ten. Um if there were other events, uh, I have deemed them unimportant. Uh, Taylor, anything else we want to add today before I sign us off here? I'm trying to think. Yeah, the Big Ten was kind of boring this week. I'll be honest. Like, it's it's usually not great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like we are not watching exciting football as a conference, as a people. Um, but, yeah, it was particularly not interesting this week. Yeah, I think I think Purdue Nebraska was a bit of a barn burner, but not one I would have wanted to watch. Um, but like a barn burner in a way of like you had like like a barn burner in a way of like all of your beloved childhood horses live in that barn or something. <laughs> <laughs> a barn burner in a way of like you don't want anything in that barn to be like you you keep like your your like like old Mustang in there, yeah. um, the horse and the car. Like you, you're keeping all of your gold. Like that's the kind of barn burner that was. Like it's, it's not you, a good thing. When you use the idiom barn burner in the Big Ten West, it's a bunch of cornfield people who get really, <laughs> really scared and sad when you say that. So I have to it's be careful. Literal. <laughs> it's, it's literal. It's literal. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that'll do it for this week, I think. Follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter and follow at Meet at Midfield on Twitter. Also follow at Seltzer Mom on Twitter. That's Taylor Fulton. Don't do um, that. <laughs> Don't follow at Thickstauskas on Twitter, whatever you do. Um, sign up for meetatmidfield.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to the free pod. Use promo code meetatmidfield at homefieldapparel.com and use promo code bucketprob on points bet. Go blue, baby. <laughs>